This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? Would you help us finish this month strong? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, I'm so fired up to be with you today. And one of the reasons why is because I've been on this journey and I've invited a number of friends to join me on the journey. Maybe you've taken us up on this journey to reclaim the art of scripture memorization. You know, it's something that many of us who were raised in Christian homes did when we were younger. But as you get older, you kind of stop memorizing Scripture, and uh, you lose the benefits of that. Or maybe you came to Christ uh, as an adult and never went through this phase or were never encouraged to encourage uh, to memorize Scripture. I encourage you to memorize Scripture. One of the things we know about the Hebrew culture is that, in, in particular in biblical times, they would train their youth to memorize large portions of Scripture parts of scripture that were prayers, parts that were promises, parts that were prophecies. And why? It's because there may come a time where we won't have access to this to the word of God like we do right now. The typical home in America has about 13 Bibles in it. It's hard to believe, but it's true. And you think about uh, web-based Bibles now and apps, Bible apps, it feels almost like Scripture is ubiquitous, but yet there, there's coming a time where the Bible, if it's true, and I believe it to be, will, will suffer persecution, and we won't have access to the Scriptures like we once did. Are we prepared for that moment? Have we prepared ourselves to hide His Word in our hearts so that we can have His promises, have all of those prophecies deeply embedded into our hearts so that we can know what is true and not be deceived. I also think one of the great benefits of memorizing Scripture is that it builds a hope in us. While the headlines all around us are telling us bad news, what the Scriptures tell us is good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And so when you memorize Scripture, you are getting the good news of God's grace and the salvation that comes through Christ alone very deeply in your heart. So I want to encourage you, join the journey with me and the rest of so many of our friends through Equip who are memorizing Scripture, reclaiming the art of Scripture memorization. Now, before you say, Chris, I don't have that great of a memory. I can't do this. Let me just tell you, we all can. Once you learn the basics, you'll experience the blessings and the benefits that come along with it. I want to get this book into your hands. It's simply entitled Memorizing Scripture by Glenna Marshall. It can be yours today, a gift of any amount. We've been doing this all month. 
a gift of any amount, we will send it out to you. Now, I would love for you to be as generous as possible. Typically, a book like this retails for about $15. Maybe you can give that or more. But whatever you give, just know that you are helping to make this book accessible to many, many people. And maybe when you get your copy, you can read it and pass it on to somebody else in your life so they can reclaim the art of Scripture memorization. Dial the number now, 888-644-4144. Can you do that? Maybe this is what God is saying to you will take your spiritual growth to the next level. Maybe you've been praying, God, I want to break the cycle of apathy. I want to grow spiritually. I want to have a breakout season of growth in Jesus. Well, if that's you, dial the number, 888-644-4144. It's 888-644-4144. Well, speaking of memorizing Scripture and uh, some of its benefits, one of them is to be reminded of the fact that God is sovereign over human history, that all of the world's affairs are happening as God intends. They are unfolding and building towards this climactic point of the return of Christ. Recently, I had the privilege of taking my local church, Woodside Bible Church here in Southeast Michigan. I had the privilege of walking them through a study of the book of Revelation. And one of the powerful passages in the book of Revelation is found in Revelation 20. We are reminded that God is making all things new. All the brokenness around us, all of the fall, all of the grief and trauma and trauma that we see around us, it won't be this way forever. God is redeeming. He's restoring. He's making all things new. So I want to share a message that I taught on Revelation chapter 20 with you. So why don't you grab your Bible or open your Bible app and join me for this powerful message on the millennial reign of Christ. Over the last several years, I've gotten a chance to visit some spaces and places where I have seen firsthand these brave brothers and sisters in Christ who every day at the risk of their lives are proclaiming Jesus. It has been uh, quite uh, the battle spiritually, and at times they have faced tremendous risk personal risk to do the work that they're doing. There are many countries around the world where there are laws that strictly ban the evangelism or the proclamation of Christ. Many suffering imprisonment and beaten and some, again, even at the cost of their lives, remain faithful to the testimony of Christ. Now, you may be asking, Chris, why bring this up? It's because I've often asked myself, and many times I've even gone before the Lord and asked him, what is it that keeps these believers going? No doubt the thought has to come into their mind, as it does in many of ours when things get hard for our testimony of Christ, when it feels like we're going to lose relationships with our closest family and friends, or we're going to be persecuted or kept out of the social interactions around us, or maybe even boxed out economically like many of them are facing. What gives them hope? What keeps them going? I don't believe that's a contemporary uh, question. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. The fact of the matter is, as much of Scripture is written to answer the question of how do we maintain hope in Christ so that we don't abandon our faith, so that we can finish strong. This is the reason why John, the apostle, is moved by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Revelation. 
It's because the believers that were living at that time, he's writing to seven churches who are in what we would call modern-day Turkey, which in that time, that ancient time, was called Asia Minor. These seven churches were living up under the tyranny of one of the bloodiest emperors Rome has ever seen. Maybe you've heard of the reign of Emperor Nero. Nero persecuted Christians, and he hated them in particular because unlike other religions that often during that day would allow polytheism or the multiple worship of gods, Christians had a different refrain. We proclaimed that Christ alone was Lord. And so he would burn them at the stake or throw them to the lions or martyr them all in an effort to dissuade them from proclaiming Christ as Lord and to encourage them like the rest of the empire to say that Caesar is Lord. But Christians refused to do that. They refused to stop uh, trusting in Christ. They refused to stop living for Christ. As a matter of fact, they even modeled the way of Christ by loving their enemies who were persecuting them. And the church grew and it swelled and it continued to multiply so much so that it became well known that the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the church. That the more you persecuted them, the more they grew and multiplied. But what was it that kept them from abandoning their faith? I believe that what it was is they had a vision of the future. That they were reminded again and again, and they would remind themselves again and again of how the story ends. And how many are grateful today that as you sit here today, that in spite of the encroaching hostilities of the Christian faith, even in our own country, and in spite of the persecutions that we may face by living in the face of a fallen world, how many are grateful that you know how the story ends, that Christ wins, that the devil is defeated, that Jesus is exalted, that there is a great reward if we hold on to our faith. And in many ways, today I want to encourage you, don't let go of your faith. I also want to encourage you, if you have not yet believed, to believe and follow Christ because it's only in Christ where we have such a robust hope that no matter what we experience, the betrayal, the brokenness, the mistreatments, the injustices, all of those things pale in comparison to the great hope that is birthed in the believer who is trusted in Jesus. And so John writes, he writes as an exile himself. When he's writing this book we call Revelation, the last book of the Bible, by the way, he's writing from an island called Patmos. He's there. He's being persecuted for proclaiming Jesus. But he's writing to believers to encourage them. And how does God equip him to do that? He gives him seven visions. What Revelation is, is the record of seven visions given to John um, by, by God that is shared about what will ultimately happen upon the return of Christ. Christ is going to return one day. That's good news, friends. That tells me that justice is coming. That tells me that there's a time when grace will restore all things. That tells me that mercy is around the corner. And that tells me that I won't always have to live with the pain, the lament of what it means to live in a fallen world. But I can know and I will know the joy of the reign and rule of Christ. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared? I want to help you to get prepared 
for the return of Christ. It's a glorious day that we have to look forward to. Friends, I don't want you to go anywhere, but I do. If you today want to give your life to Jesus, I would love for you to call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. Praise God. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. What a joy it is to study God's Word together. I love opening Scripture and delving deep into it with you, and I hope that it's a blessing to you as well. Listen, if Equip has been an encouragement to your heart, can you stand with us today? We need gifts of any amount as we quickly come to the end of yet another month. We also need those anchor partners, those partners who can go over and above in their generosity to be able to do what others may not be able to do. Maybe today as you listen, you can give a gift of $500 or $1,000. Those gifts allow us to be able to reach those who may not be able to give with the good news of God's grace. We don't want anything separating friends in your community from the gospel. So can you call right now, 888-644-4144. Remember this, that you have been blessed so that you might be a blessing. That's true for me as well. So I want to thank you in advance for your generosity, but I do want to encourage you, be faithful to God. Fund the gospel. It's the best investment any of us will ever make. The phone number again, 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org. Today, we're listening to a message that I got a chance to share with my church family not too long ago. It's on the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is one of those books that can easily uh, be intimidating. It can be overwhelming, no matter who you are or how long you've been a Christian. But it also is something that I believe God wants all of us to understand. So I hope this teaching blesses your heart as we study Revelation chapter 20 on the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to look at six verses in Revelation chapter 20. And, and let me just say that these, these verses are, um, they, they merit honestly a couple weeks in a, in a Bible college or a seminary course. As a matter of fact, I remember sitting through several weeks on this chapter with my then professor, John Jelinek. I don't have multiple weeks. I've already, uh, I've already used uh, 10 of my 30 minutes just introducing myself. With this whole thought of all things becoming new and, and, and what is unfolded in these verses we're going to look at merits tremendous time. So we approach it with a hefty amount of humility. Steve Gregg, who edited a, 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 a commentary in the book of Revelation, four views on the book of Revelation, says this, that this chapter, Revelation 20, might be arguably the most controversial chapter in the entire Bible. Entire systems of interpretation have been built off of this chapter. Maybe you've heard the terms before, premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. How many have heard these terms before? All right, some of you have been infected by that disease of lofty words. And don't worry, if you haven't heard these terms, in some ways it might even be an advantage because you can just look at the text like we're going to do today and just see what is there and set aside your, your system. 
Um, but for those who, who do know those terms, I just want to quickly summarize. The premillennial position is the position that historically has been our doctrinal position here at, at Woodside, certainly has been the one that I adopted. And the way that it, it, it presents itself is that uh, we're in the church age right now, and then Jesus is going to rapture his church, and we will be with him for this period called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And while we're there in heaven with him rejoicing, there's going to be great tribulation here on earth. And at the end of that period, Christ is going to return to earth, and he will inaugurate a thousand years of peace as Satan is bound, and we will rule and reign with him. And then all the consummation, the full consummation of all the promises of the end time will happen, and it will usher in a new kingdom, age, new heaven, and new earth. And that's looking at that millennial reign as a literal thousand years. Then there are those who see the millennial reign of Christ as a figurative. Uh, they're, they're called post-millennialists, and they believe there's going to be this golden age right before Christ returns where the gospel is going to advance and spread to the point where the whole world will be ultimately Christianized. And then there are amillennialists. And amillennialists, uh, it's not that they don't believe in the millennial, but they believe we're living in it right now, that it's the time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And how many are more confused now than five minutes ago by the show of hands? I've done my job well. That's my job. But, uh, but on a serious note, uh, we've ascribed to, and I personally ascribe to, a literal reading of what we're, we're, we're going to dive into today and believing in this millennial reign of Christ and that he's going to rapture his church and that he's coming back again. But I will say this, humbly, there is great, uh, there are great, there's great scholarship in all of those areas, in each position, and I have brothers and sisters in Christ who hold different views, uh, different positions on these end time events, in particular, the when and the where and the how, they hold different views, and you can do so and still be a believer if you still proclaim that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone, and, and, and these become some secondary issues, though very important, secondary. So that means that you don't have to fully align with where I land. It's okay for you, for you to be wrong, and I'll still love you. <laughs> but, but, I will say, but I will say this, that these things are important questions, but I think the most fruitful approach to our study today, these six verses I'm going to dive into now, is to ask ourselves not so much the when and the where and the how. Those are important questions. But today we're going to look at the what and the why. And what I believe we're, we're going to see is that Christ will reign in a millennial kingdom. And why is that important for us? Well, I believe it's important because it encourages us as believers to remain faithful in the face of persecution and difficulty and hard times and brokenheartedness and injustice and mistreatment and marginalization. And when it feels like evil is winning, has anybody ever felt like evil is winning? The bad guys are advancing. And there certainly will be moments like that where you feel like Satan has the upper hand. And we need to be reminded with visions of the future of what the ultimate outcome is. And that is Christ reigns and we will reign with him. He is victorious. Satan is fighting the futile fight. He will not win. So what is happening here? Two things I would argue. First, we see that Satan is bound. Look at verse number one with me. 
Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. Now, some of your translations will say the abyss and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shed it and sealed it, sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. And so what do we see here? We see God exercising his sovereign great power over evil. It is God triumphantly and boldly, resoundingly reminding us that Satan is not the yin to his yang. If you get in your mind a picture of Satan being God's equal but evil counterpart, you got a wrong view of Satan. He is subordinate to God. He is not in God's class. Only God is omnipotent. He, only God is omnipresent. Only God is omniscient. Only he has all power and he exercises that power. And as I've reminded you before, what this text reminds us of in the original audience is that God does not relinquish one day, one moment, one square inch to Satan. As a matter of fact, again, as I have said, over every square inch of created order, Christ boldly declares, mine. He is Lord of all. And so, he sends this angel, and I love that it's a nameless, ordinary angel. It just reminds us that Satan is not the all-powerful foe that many of us deem him to be. Formidable, but not all-powerful, not almighty. Only God is. And so God wants us to know through this inspired writing, John wants his original audience and us by extension to know who it is that is being bound. This one who has wreaked havoc, the arch enemy of all things that are of God, especially God's people, and that is the devil who's been causing problems since the garden up until now. That's the one that's going to be bound and imprisoned. And how do we know that? It's because John calls him not by one name, but by four names. Verse number two, we see the first name. He seizes the dragon. And then John says, just in case you don't know who we're talking about, that ancient serpent. The key to interpreting Revelation is to have a strong grasp of the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Torah, if you will, the Pentateuch in particular. And so here, who is this ancient serpent? It's a serpent in the garden that deceived Eve. This is the one that's being bound. Then he goes on to say, to clear up any mystery, who is the devil and Satan, the one we call the devil and Satan. He is going to be bound, but he's not just going to be defeated, friends. Look at what it says in verse number two. It says he's going to be seized. Then later on in verse number two, he's going to be bound. And then in verse number three, he's going to be thrown into the pit. The pit is going to be shut, and then it's going to be sealed. I just love this imagery. I love this visual that Satan is going to be handcuffed. He's going to be hogtied. He's going to be thrown in that pit. The door is going to be closed. It's going to be sealed, and he will not be able to exercise any power. He is a defeated foe. 
What are you saying, Chris? I'm saying there's a day that's coming where injustice will be defeated. There's a day that's coming where evil will be defeated. There's a day that's coming where all the, that is demonic is going to be defeated. One of the things that this text does for us is it cuts against the grain of secular atheism that tries to make us uh, think that everything that is broken in our culture and our lives is all rationalistic. That if we just educate humanity enough, if we just give them enough sophistication and culture that we will one day morally outgrow our fallenness. But we're the most affluent country the world has ever seen. And have you cut on the news lately? If money could do it, we wouldn't see the type of stuff we're seeing. And the stuff that we're seeing, it's not all natural. Satan influences and put thoughts into the minds of people. Have you ever seen such evil that you say, this is just purely demonic? And not only are these evil things happening, but we've graduated to the place of our immorality where we celebrate evil, we legislate evil, we rejoice in evil, and all of this demonic stuff is happening. But a day is coming, friends, where the enemy is going to be captured, he is going to be bound, he is going to be hogtied, thrown in a pit, it will be sealed, and he will deceive no more. How many thank God for that day that's coming on the horizon? So what's the message? The message is don't give up hope. The message of this passage is don't give up hope. And I pray that you wouldn't. You know, there's so many challenges all around us that are tempting us to give up hope. Frustrations, irritations, and maybe even disappointments that are deep down in your heart. But when we look to Jesus, when we set our affections on things above, not on things beneath, And what we are reminded of is that hope is alive. And hope is alive because Jesus is alive. What if I told you that God was making all things new? I hope you believe that because that is absolutely true. That's what he's doing. He's making all things new. And he wants you and I to participate in his redemption of the world. We'll talk about how we can participate on the other side of this break. During this break, I want to encourage you, find out more about Equip. Go to our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, at Equip Radio. We'll be right back. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Man, I hope you're enjoying this uh, time together in God's Word as much as I am. Let me encourage you to get back to the uh, daily reading of Scripture. It changes your life forever. It is not good for us to have a faith that we don't know well enough to live or to commend to others or even to defend. The fact is we need to know the Scriptures well. And one of the ways you know that the scriptures are having a strong impact on your life is when it's shaping your decision-making, when your choices are informed by what you read. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you made a decision because you were confronted with the truth from God's word? 
You know, it's so easy for us to sentimentalize the Bible and kind of cherry pick the moral imperatives that we want to live by while ignoring the others. But the Bible is a book to live by. It is a book that should have final authority in our lives. You remember that old game show that used to ask the question, is that your final answer? And the uh, contestant would have to say yes. Well, I pray when it comes to every question, if you and I are asked, is the Bible our final answer? I hope the answer will be yes, that the Bible is my final answer. That's the way that our lives should be governed. And that's why I want to encourage you to support Equip, because every day we're going to remind you of the truth of God's Word. That's what all of our guests are all about. That's what these times in the Word of God is all about. That's why we're even encouraging you all month long to memorize Scripture. You should test every teacher according to God's Word. Every message you're hearing from culture should be measured against the standard of God's Word. The greatest protection for your heart, your mind, and your life and mind is the Word of God. So I do want to encourage you, study God's Word, know God's Word, so that you can live a life of fruitfulness for Christ. Today we're studying a section of Scripture that I think is one of the most exciting. It's the book of Revelation. Now, a lot of people go in the book of Revelation looking for sensationalism or speculation, and certainly you can find it there if you search hard enough and have a distorted view. But when you interpret Scripture in light of the intent of the author, when you study Scripture in light of what God wants us to walk away with, there's two big messages of the book of Revelation. One is get prepared. Make sure you're ready. And number two He's making all things new. I want to pick this up in our study of this glorious chapter, Revelation 20. Today, we'll talk about the millennial reign of Christ. Now, let me give you an analogy of this, uh, because I can imagine it must have been hard for them facing all the fierceness of Nero, lions, and torches, and burned at the stake, and being robbed and beaten for their faith. Surely they were thinking about giving up. Surely they were nervous. What's, what's going to be the outcome of all of this? Have I believed in vain? Have I trusted in vain? And some of you maybe even wrestle with that today. You know, I'm a sports fan. I admit it. I got a problem. <laughs> I mean, I watch it all. I mean, I, I, uh, get into, I can even get into a good cricket match if you let me. But I grew up playing baseball, I love baseball. Boys play football, daughter plays soccer, another son plays basketball, and I love it all. One of the things that I love are these classic channels that will play sports games from, you know, uh, old eras. I mean, long times ago, like the 90s. Can you believe that? Like, right? And some of these games I remember watching, and I mean, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat when I'm watching it live, wondering, are we going to pull it out? How many of you remember the, you might be young, you may not remember this, but how many of you remember the 1984 Bless You Boys Tigers? How many of you remember them, right? I remember as a boy loving baseball, watching them like every day, Right? I'm, I'm watching it like every day, and, and I, true story, my grandmother, bless her heart, she's going to be with the Lord, we will watch them together, and if the game was too tight, Granny would stand up and lay her hands on the TV screen, start praying, Jesus, intervene, 
bless Alan Trammell to hit a single, you know? So we'd be watching these games together. Whole family got it bad. Pray for my deliverance. And so we were watching these games together. But now the classic games replay those games, and I'm totally chill. I'm relaxed. I'm watching those same games. I can eat popcorn, have side conversations. I haven't prayed over a TV in a long time. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between watching the replay of the classic game or watching it live? The difference is, and some of you said it, I know the outcome. I know that they're going to win. I know how it's going to finish. I know the final ending heroics. And friends, that's the point. John is given this vision so that he can give a vivid image of the future so that the saints in his original audience and us by extension can know how the game ends. And what's the hope is that it will birth in us a peace, a peace that says, my faith is not in vain. A peace that says that trusting the Lord is worth it. A peace that says, evil, you may think you're winning now, but I'm promising you there's a day that's coming where you will be defeated. And how do I know? It's because the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God has told me so. How many thank God for his word? Satan is bound is the first thing we see. Second thing we see is that the saints reign with the victorious king. Look at what it says, verse number four. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom uh, the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark in their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There we see it again. Six times in this chapter he mentions the thousand year reign of Christ. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, over which the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. We see it again. Now, John introduces to us two resurrections, a first and a second, two deaths, a first and a second. And uh, what is he trying to communicate to us here is that Christ is returning. He's going to establish his millennial reign, his thousand-year reign. Again, I see that literally. I recognize some may have uh, various opinions on the symbol symbolism of that, but he's going to come. And what we do agree on, what we must agree on, is that Christ will reign. And we're going to reign with him. That's where all parties agree that he's going to reign and we're going to reign with him. But there's two groups that he specifically mentions are going to reign with him. The first are martyrs. They are known here as those who were beheaded for their faith. And this isn't something that any of us will voluntarily just sign up for. But this is something that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have paid the price of and will pay the price of for their faith in Jesus Christ. 
And is there a reward for holding on to your faith even in the face of martyrdom? The answer is yes, there is a reward. And what is the reward and what is the promise? The reward and the promise is that you will reign with him and be given a crown of life. And what an exchange. Yes, temporal death, but that's exchange for eternal life. Yes, cut short in this fallen world, but that's exchange for eternity in paradise. How many think that's a good exchange to be with him forever and ever? Praise God that we get the promise of being with him forever and ever and ever. We're going to pause the message there. We're going to come back in just a moment, help you to be able to experience and to make hopefully a choice that will change your life forever. You know, we often talk about being with God in heaven as if it's a guarantee for everybody. But the fact of the matter is, is that broad is a way that leads to destruction and many will go through it. We need to know that unless someone comes to true faith in Jesus Christ, we want to experience these promises. I want you to experience the promises of God. So stick and stay. We'll talk about how right after this break. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. If you want to know more, simply call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. You know, I promised you that when you came back that I would talk to you about how to experience the precious promises of God. All that we're talking about can go from speculation to actualization in your life. And I want to do that because I don't want you to be deceived. One of the things of Revelation 20 that's really, really important, and that's the chapter we're looking at today, is Revelation chapter 20 is that it reminds us of great deception. This beast that's talked about in the book of Revelation deceives the world, the nations. You think about that, that the wisest of people, the most powerful of people were susceptible to deception. And why? It's because the institutions around them were tools for deception. And such is the case in our day and age. From media to education to entertainment, so often the tools of the enemy are the institutions of our day. But God says we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. It's in the midst of this darkness and this deception that God speaks forth the truth. And what is the truth? That the enemy is a liar, that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that he's a great deceiver but Jesus has come to give us life and that more abundantly. I want us to wrap up this message today, but after this message is over, I want to share with you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what all of this is about. It's not simply about our curiosity or our speculation about future things. This is not, the book of Revelation was not given for entertainment purposes only. But all of this is about us following Christ, 
knowing him, whom to know is eternal life. Jesus wants you to be able to be a part of his kingdom. He wants you and I to experience new life in him. And friends, uh, there's no other way for salvation to come to your life. There's no other way for you to experience the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness that your heart and soul longs for, except through a relationship with Jesus. That's where you find purpose. That's when you'll discover meaning. When deception is defeated and truth arises in your heart. So let's talk about the defeat of deception as we conclude our study of Revelation 20. Also, there will be those who refuse to worship the beast. Who is the beast? The beast is uh, part of the unholy trinity. It is the Antichrist. And here's the thing you got to know is that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And yes, it will be embodied in a particular person, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And we worship the Antichrist anytime we allow culture to define our ethics and morality instead of Christ defining our ethics and morality. When culture defines what's right and wrong and how we parent and how we go about our married life or our, or our singleness or our job or how we use our time, talent, and our treasure, or our sexuality, or our money, when all of these things are defined by the shifting sentiments of culture, we are already worshiping the beast and the Antichrist. But when instead we allow the authority of God's infallible word to reign, and we submit ourselves to Christ, saying, you alone, O Lord, define what is right right and wrong in my marriage or in my singleness or in my parenting or in my job or how I use my time, talent, and treasure in my sexuality and in my use of my money, that you have the final authority. When we do that, we are submitting ourselves to Christ and rejecting the Antichrist. And the promise that we may be persecuted in this life and we may be treated as obsolete, out outdated, not in line with the current culture, maybe even criticized as being bigoted or hypocritical or even judgmental or whatever negative adjective they want to ascribe to us, if we humbly and lovingly remain faithful to Christ, we will reign with him. That in the end, though evil may seem in the short term expedient, ultimately what is greater is fidelity to Christ. And those who refuse to bow their knee will experience reigning with him. Those who died the first resurrection. Now that second resurrection is for those who died and rejected Christ. They will be raised at the end of the millennial age and they will be judged. And they will ultimately be judged. So the question of the text today is, what are you focused on? Ultimately, it's designed to give hope to those who have put their faith in Christ. And to encourage those who haven't, let today be the day of salvation. Ultimately, it is designed to say, keep your eyes on him. What allowed them to sustain through the difficulties of their day? It was having a picture of a future day. And what will allow us to sustain hope and have peace in our day? It is to have a picture of that day that is coming. Don't lose sight of that day. And if today you don't know his love, his grace, his mercy, if you don't know the healing, 
and the restoration that comes from a relationship with Christ. Let today be the day of your salvation. I want to do something that we don't do too often. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to ask you to search your heart. And in the privacy of your own moment, I'm going to ask you to think deeply. Today, do you need a relationship with Christ? For some of you, for the first time, for some of you, it is coming back to him after walking away from him. Praise God, he is merciful. He will forgive us. And the things that are broken in our lives, he will make all things new. So he gives us this promise that if we trust in him, we will be with him and he will be with us even in our difficulties. So as you search your heart, I'd love to pray for those of you who today want to give your life to Christ or come back to him again. Today, you know you need Jesus. Today, you know you need to restore your relationship with the Lord. And I'd love to pray for you. Young, old, married, single, in between. Can't live my life on my own. I've messed it up enough. I need the grace of God to restore me. Well, praise God and amen. I hope that that message spoke to your heart. I hope that it blessed you tremendously. I know it's a good reminder for my own soul. It's easy for me, and maybe it is for you as well, to get caught up in the headlines, to get nervous about what tomorrow may hold, to be a little bit fearful and certainly anxious. But when I think about Jesus, peace floods my heart. When I think about his promises for me, I find hope again. And I want you to know that hope. I know what it is to live life without hope. I know what it is to feel like you're drowning in fear and anxiety, but Jesus came to set you free, my friend. Jesus came so that you can have new life. And you may say, Chris, you have no idea how messed up my life is, how much I've blown it, how many people I've hurt, how hurt and wounded I am because of messed up people around me. And you're right. I don't know your story. But what I do know is that there's no pain, there's no sin, there's no brokenness on earth it's greater than what he did for you and I on Calvary. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe you have been wounded. Maybe you've blown it to the point where you question whether or not you should be forgiven. But understand this, that Christ and his blood is more powerful than what any of us realize, and he's come to give us what our hearts need most. So I'm going to encourage you to do the most important thing any of us can do. Humble yourself. Turn to Jesus. Simply inviting to be Lord of all. Confess your sins before him and surrender your life to him. Ask him to come to save you, to be your Lord, and he will. I'd love for you to take your next step in your journey with Jesus today. And if that is your heart, call this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. And Father, I pray that today will be the day of new life and new beginning. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friends, until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equipped with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.